ring and I've tried to shift this down a little bit. I'm not sure what we do. All right. Uh, now, we're going to go to Genesis. That's where we've been studying. But um, we're going to talk about a young man named Isaac this time. We've mentioned him as we've talked about other people in the book of Genesis. <clears throat> but now we're going to go to uh, Genesis chapter 17. Look at Genesis chapter 17, verse 15 is where we're going to pick up. We're talking about uh, people of the book of Genesis, and we're going to go all the way through Genesis with the people, and then we'll probably go back. I'm not 100% certain, but we'll go back and do with the topics, the, the things that happen in, in the book of Genesis. And so in Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, it says, and, and God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall her Sarah shall her name be and I will bless her and give thee a son also of her yea I'll bless her and she shall be a mother of nations kings of people shall be of her then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear and Abraham said unto God oh that Ishmael uh, might live before thee. And so, you know, there's several things in there. We've already talked about the, the changing of the name of Sarai to Sarah and the importance of that. Uh, and, and then it goes into, it says, though, this covenant with Abraham uh, is also a strong commitment to Sarah. It says, and I will bless her. Uh, you see in verse 16, and give thee a son also of her. That's where God's clarifying the battle that's going to come later. He's making sure that we understand that, the, that this covenant is with the, the children of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, and so uh, that's going to, it, of course, the, the battle still goes on today. And, and even here, Abraham uh, fought for Ishmael. He says in verse 18, Abraham said unto God, O that Ishmael might live before thee. And so... Uh, and this is the conflict that we have today. This is the Muslim conflict that we have with Christianity. This is the war, the battle. Uh, they're fighting over the same lands. They're fighting over the same thing. They want the same holy sites. They want all those same things because the descendants of Ishmael feel like they are the chosen ones. And the descendants of Isaac, uh, according to Scripture, are the chosen uh, people of God. And so... Um, that's kind of just sideline to this because we're talking about Isaac, but it's very important at the same time because Isaac is the heir according to the word of God because that son's going to come through not only Abraham as Ishmael did, but it's all, he's also going to come through Isaac. I mean, also going to come through Sarah. And so that brings it. And then as you see in here, it just makes a statement it says in verse 17, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart. So Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Uh, at this point, that's important because Abraham laughed. Well, when, we, when you look up the name of Isaac, the definition of Isaac is basically he who laughs. It's he laughed. And so uh, Abraham now is going to name him for the feeling, the emotion that he felt uh, at the time 
you know, that he found out that he was going to have a child. He said, no, I'm, I'm going to, you know, that's what I felt. I'm, I'm laughing, not laughing as in, ha ha, that's crazy. No, it's, ha ha, I'm excited. This is incredible what God is going to do. So, uh, God had established a covenant with Abraham. The covenant would be that God would make Abraham and his seed a great nation. This covenant would be signified by circumcision in the children and all of the males. The covenant would be established also with Isaac. Now, if you go to 17, 19 through 21, God says, you know, this covenant is definitively now is through Sarah. Uh, so Isaac is the only one born to Sarah. And then it's going to say it's, it's in Isaac, verse 19. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. Notice this. He's going to establish his covenant with Isaac, with him for an everlasting covenant, with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. So that Isaac's so very important because the covenant from God, the covenant of Abraham, is passed through Isaac. And this is what Scripture says. I was just reading this morning, and it, it's so sad, may mention it again in, in the service, but uh, the statistically, the statistics I read this morning said that only 21% of the people of America today believe that the Bible is truly the Word of God. Only 21%. Uh, you know, they, it, it's, it, it's no, it's, of course that's where we would be, and I've, I've hit this so many times, but when you throw the Bible out of all education and leave it out for 50, 60 years, uh, you come to the point, they didn't throw it out because the Bible was, they, they, they threw it out because of a hatred for the Bible, because it is an absolute, because it is the Word of God. They don't throw out any other books. There's no other book that's thrown out of, you know, out of, out of, out of the, the you, know, you say, well, back in the day, maybe they threw out something that had wickedness in it. Not today. They have everything in there except the Bible. Everything pretty much is allowed except the Bible. But this passage, as we just read, clarifies the whole issue between Isaac and Ishmael. And it's the reason that the Muslim world had to have their own Bible, the Koran. I mean, it's, they don't call it their Bible, but it, essentially it is. Uh, it's the reason they had to do it. It's the reason other groups have rewritten Bibles and taken out portions. The reason Jehovah's Witness took out Jesus' name. Uh, they had to write their own Bible in order to eliminate the name of Jesus. And so it, uh, uh, there's so much that takes place. Uh, in these in the verses, but it's if you believe the word of God is true, and the word of God is true, and so and it, it makes it very clear who is the descendant, who the covenant was through. And so in chapter 21, we're not going to read anything really in it, but in chapter 21, Isaac is born. Chapter 22, Isaac is to be sacrificed. This is chapter 22 is where, in Genesis chapter 22 is where God's going to test Abraham. He's going to see if Abraham, and I always say this, God always knows the choices that we will make. You say, then what's the test about? Really, the test always is so that we can know what we're made of. You know, when we face the test and we pass the test, 
that does something for us. And, and it's not something to glory in, but it's something to strengthen us so that we can keep walking further with God and face the next test. God already knows before he places the test in front of us that what, what he doesn't force us to make it. And, I'm, you know, and to be able to, you have to be God to be able to separate, separate foreknowledge with free will. And God, being God, though, is able to separate foreknowledge from free will. And, and, and that is an amazing thing. And, and we, we can't deal with it. We try to explain things away because we can't separate the two. We can't see it. But our minds are finite, and God's, God's not finite. His mind is infinite. And so he, God now comes, and, and he is uh, testing Abraham with this sacrifice. One more thing there in, in this chapter 22, Isaac is called a lad. Now, immediately when we look at that word lad, and we've talked this about a little bit previously, about how old Isaac might have been, as we talked about some of the other characters. But uh, when we look at immediately, when you look at the word lad, you immediately think he's got to be younger. He's got to be, as we would think, you know, maybe an adolescent or a young teenager, a lad. But in the Hebrew word, the Hebrew words, it's naar, uh, N-A-A-R, naar. And now it's used 238 times in the Bible, but 76 times it is translated young man. 76 times it's translated young man. That's more times than any other usage. Now, here comes... The question, you got Abraham who is 100 years old. If he calls Isaac a young man, what age do you think that would be? Or, Miss Johnny May, do you think I'm a young man? <laughs> uh, Dad, do you think I'm a young man? Yeah, you know I am. And here's, here's my point. When you're 100 years old, everybody's a young man, <laughs> you know? And so the fact that he called him a young man doesn't eliminate or take away from the possibility that, as I say, I still believe that he was probably 33 years old. I just believe that, it, it, according, we, we went more in detail in an in a earlier lesson, went more in detail about how we kind of picked, you know, showed it mathematically and how it worked out. And nobody really knows absolutely, but it looks very much like he was 30 plus. And so I'm just thinking if you're going to sacrifice him and he's a picture of Christ, he's probably 33. And that would be a, a lad to a 100-year-old man. And the truth is, if you're a 100-year-old man and you're going to have a child, uh, then apparently 33, okay, if you... If you get to 100 and you're still, you're going to have a child, then 33 would probably be like a 60 or 70-year-old man talking about a 14 or 15-year-old lad. And so the comparison is there. And so I believe that the terminology doesn't hurt us at all. And that's what a lot of people will use. They look directly at the terminology. They say a lad. And a lad is a child. Well, 76 times is... It's translated young man. And, and that's more, almost double any other usage of this word. 
any other translation of this word. So it's used more, many more times uh, for this terminology, you know, as a young man to define a young man or translate as young man than any other usage of the word. So we mentioned in an earlier lesson about Isaac and the possibility he was 33, uh, for he was a picture of Christ. Now, also, Isaac shows great faith in his father. This is going into the picture of Christ, for he yielded to the will of his father. Go to Genesis chapter 22, verses 7 through 9. This is very important, I believe, because as a picture of Christ, uh, the key thing about Jesus Christ is that he came and repeatedly said that he was doing the Father's will. He yielded, he submitted to the Father. But chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 7, it says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am, here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. This has to be even... Even if I'm totally wrong and Isaac is 12, 13, 14, then daddy's 100 years old plus. No, daddy's not 100 years old. I kept saying that. He was born when he was 100 years old. So Isaac, you know, he's 150. I mean, uh, Abraham's 100. If we say Isaac is, 100 and, uh, is 12, then uh, Abraham now is 112 years old. So even a 12-year-old, he might not be able to fight with his daddy. At a, at, but listen, he could outrun him. Amen? And if daddy's about to take me and tie me up and burn me on the altar, there's going to be a whole lot of kicking, scratching, screaming going on. Does this nobody else be like me? Now, this little boy, you know, my, uh, my daughter, she was trying to get into something you know, on my computer or something, and she was... She called me and she said, Dad, one of the questions here, these security questions, says, what's your, uh, and I tell everybody this, he said, what's your nickname when you were a kid? And I said, I said, Rabbit. They said, where did, she just laughed, she said, she said, the things I learned about my father. How, how did she said, I'm 30-something years old and I didn't know your nickname was Rabbit? I said, nobody called me that but Dad. And I don't know uh, why he called me rabbit. might have been because I had totally white hair. Amen? It might have been, though, that every time he wanted to spank me, he had to chase me down. <laughs> and I would be going every direction. Uh, and, had, and so just like a rabbit. But, you know, the fact is, is that we look at this and you think something had to happen here because God says, we went through this thing so simplistically, so orderly. Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son. Doesn't that seem just kind of like, matter of fact, there's nothing else that happened here. He built an altar, laid the wood in order, and bound his son. And unless the son is an infant, that's going to be an amazing feat that if nothing happened, unless 
He submitted totally. As the scripture says, he gave his life. Jesus did. So John chapter uh, 3, verse 16. No, 1 John, I'm sorry. 1 John chapter 3, 16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He laid down his life. I think that probably Isaac, when he knew what his father wanted, laid down and let his daddy time up. It says in Matthew chapter 26, verses 53 and 54, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that this it must be? And so Jesus said, I, I could call 12 legions of angels. You know, they'll say uh, he could have called 10,000 angels, but 12 legions of angels is many, many more than 10,000. I believe if, uh, you know, it's something that looked at a long, long time ago, but I think it's something like 76,000 angels, 12 legions of angels. One angel can destroy a whole army. So if Jesus could call 76,000 down, I think he could have stopped everything that was going on. He gave up his life. But Jesus, just as Jesus submitted to the will of the Father and gave up his life, so Isaac submitted to the will of his father and was willing to give up his life. And ultimately, folks, I, I believe the challenge is to us as Christians as we saw back here in the previous verse, he said, and hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And notice, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You know, the, God asks more of us. And I'm afraid in the future, he's going to ask more and more of us. One of our people just walked in a minute ago to my office before everything started, and he said, Tell me what you think about what's going on here. Well, I'll tell you, it's, I've preached on this. We're in a, not a physical battle. We're in a satanic battle. And what Satan is using is he's using people against people right now. And he's stirring the pot in America. And I don't know, I mean, outside of prayer and begging God, but it is lining up to be, uh, okay, not fearful because God is in control, but it's, it's lining up for martial law. I, I think that's the direction it's going. Uh, because they'll finally come to the point that there's so much chaos that they have to uh, enact martial law. And at that point, we're, we're effectively in a dictatorship. Now, that's pretty sad, sobering, especially for the children. But... Truth is, God has not stopped being God. God is still real, and that God is our hope. And God, uh, again, until the moment it happens, there is a possibility that God will bring revival, that God will do something to the lives of people if Christian people will just simply wake up and realize that it's, it's more serious than, than any of us would have ever dreamed. But now God found a man and a son that were willing to do what he God was going to do. See, he found a man and his son who both were willing 
to do what God the Father and God the Son were going to do. Abraham and Isaac didn't have to follow through with it, but they were willing. That was an amazing thing that, that Abraham the Father was willing to sacrifice the Son and Isaac the Son was willing to be sacrificed. And that pictures God the Father, who's God the Father is willing to send his son for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so he, he sent his son, and the son was willing to be sacrificed. And so it's an incredible picture that we see here. That's a great illustration for us today. Sometimes God may ask something of us that he really does not intend that we do or complete but rather he is testing us to see if we would. This is, a great, this is one of the things that I'm going to try to get across to the teenagers this week as they go to camp. God many times will come and challenge us to see if we are willing to do something that he doesn't necessarily, it's not his perfect will that we do. Just as Isaac and Abraham and Isaac were both willing the story of Isaac does, does not stop with the meeting of Rebekah, but our story will end here today as we see Isaac pictures. We'll, we'll go into that. But before we go into the little final part of my Sunday school, that's a little final addendum, so to speak, on it, I want to just give you maybe a, a little bit of a, a story, a lesson that might help. But I, I don't remember exactly the year, but it was probably somewhere in the early 90s. I know we lived in, in, in Maryville, Indiana, and I'm not sure how long we had lived there, and I was director of the military ministry, and, and one night uh, I was awakened, the phone rang, of course didn't have cell phones and such then, and, and the phone rang at our house phone, and, and I picked it up, and the, the truth is my brother, uh, Alex, had told me that he said, Dad is being taken to the hospital or in the hospital or something, but he's had a heart attack. I don't remember what year it was. I don't remember exactly all the details. But I, can, I know that my brother said it looks pretty bad. That was his, his terminology, I think, something to that effect. And, and, uh, and that was the first that we'd ever heard anything about, you know, this type of thing with Dad. You know, he's had some heart issues since then. But, but I... Uh, but instead of getting up or, you know, and, I, and later I'm going to start driving, and, uh, you know, that night I'm going to start driving down to Memphis to, to try to get here because I, I really wasn't sure of the situation. But the first thing that I did was I rolled out of the bed and I knelt to the side of the bed because God, that moment that I got the phone call, said, are you willing to leave? everyone, your family, not my wife and kids, but my family. I love family dearly, and I'd already moved 550 miles away from them. But God said, will you go to the mission field? I mean, it was clear, even to the point of where. And, and I think that God had kind of been working on me for some days or weeks. I, I really wasn't, uh, you know, something I, I really had been distinctly think, thinking about, but the thought had always been, if I move away, what if something happened to them? If I move out of the country, what if something happened to them? My mom and dad. And that night, God said to me, 
will you submit to me above your parents? Will you go where I want you to go and let me take care of your family? And the moment I just yielded, my wife will probably remember a little bit of the story. That very week, I went to get counsel and guidance on whether I should go to the mission field because God's saying, you know, are you willing to go? Will you do it? And I told the Lord, I said, I'll do it. Uh, I don't want to be the cause of my, my dad or my mom going to heaven because I won't break and go and do what you're telling me to do. Uh, you know, because I just felt like God was saying, okay, you don't want to lose them. You don't want to move away from them. You don't, you, you don't want to leave America because of them. And so what if I just take them then? So that barrier is gone. And that's kind of what was in my heart that night. And so as I, I knelt and prayed, and, and, uh, and then I got up and I started to drive. And, and the whole time I was driving, I was praying. I got about halfway uh, down to, to Memphis when my brother called me and said, I, I really don't remember right now all the details, but said something, you know, that he was going to be okay, that it wasn't as bad as we thought or it wasn't what we thought or something to that effect and, and told me it's going to be all right. And I turned around and, and went back home because, you know, I, I still had my family and responsibilities. And, and so, but... After I got counsel and after prayer and after fasting and after everything, it became very, very clear. Uh, matter of fact, my preacher at that time, he said, Bob, you know, he said, you can go to the mission field, but God has brought the mission field to you. In the sense, we were working with military men and we were working with guys who came from all over the world, and effectively, I mean, all over the nation, and then would go to all over the world. And so we had an incredible mission field to send out soul owners and missionaries all over the world. And that wasn't the conclusive thing that, that swayed my direction, but, but as fast and prayed, it became very clear to me that God was saying, will you, not I want you to. That he was wanting to know, was I willing? And I told him, I'd go where, anywhere you want me to go, I'll do anything you want me to do. And we've been trying to do that ever since then. Whatever you want us to go, whatever you want us to do. So that's just a clear teaching, I believe, to come out of this. And then the final thing, and we'll be, we'll be done. We'll just get a few minutes. We'll be stopped here. The, the story of Isaac does not stop, of course, with a meeting. Uh, he meets Rebecca. But our story here in, uh, is Isaac, who pictures Christ, and Rebecca, who pictures the bride of Christ, come together. And I want you to understand that in, in this situation, uh, this is what's so, it's really a beautiful situation because here is Rebecca, who is trusting the Holy Spirit, yielding God, so to speak. The servant pictures the Holy Spirit, Rebecca pictures the Christ. Here you got, you know, the no man will come to God except God draw him. And so the Holy Spirit is bringing her to Christ. And what's amazing is the moment they see each other, they accept each other. And that's, you know, the moment you're willing to accept Christ, the bride, Isaac hasn't even really gotten close enough to see her face. He doesn't care what she looks like. He doesn't care. He doesn't even know her name, I don't think. I don't know. I don't think they had postal service or cell phone to call ahead and say, hey, this is who I'm bringing to you. Let me send you a picture. 
Uh, they weren't going to do that. But he accepted her. And the truth is, anybody that will come to Christ, he'll accept you no matter who you are. No matter who you are. No matter where you come from, no matter what you look like, he'll accept us. And today there's a lot of attack against even Christianity. A lot of attack that Christianity has been used to hurt people. And I tell people all the time, no, Christianity, true Christianity has never hurt anybody. People who have abused Christianity have hurt people. But Christianity, true biblical Christianity has never hurt anyone. And just as Jesus Christ came not to hurt anyone. And so we, uh, we've got about 20 minutes till. I started stopping this class a little bit before the others. The others will stop at a quarter till, the other classes will, but we're going to stop a few minutes ahead. That gives me an opportunity to kind of get out and be there when the others come out of their classes and take care of some things and do some things. So I'll have a word of prayer. And uh, that's just kind of the story of Isaac. And it's not the complete story because he goes on, and, of course, there's a whole lot more there, but that would, go, uh, that would take a long time. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for the example. Thank you for the picture of Christ in the life of Abraham and Isaac and the, and the sacrifice that they were willing to make. And thank you that they, after that sacrifice that uh, the bride is brought to Christ and they, uh, when the bride accepts Christ, Christ always accepts the bride. And Lord, thank you that salvation is by grace through faith through Jesus Christ and he will accept us just as the song says, just as I am, without one plea. So, Father, I pray that you bless us, help us. Thank you for the, the lesson today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, got a few minutes before the main service. You can probably get up, stand up, wake up. How you doing, Anthony? I'm hooked. Thank you, bud. Hello, doing good, good to see you. Everything going well? Good. Well, Felton, how you doing? Just fine, how you doing? Doing good. Welcome back, glad you're back. Thank you. Yes, sir, it was safe, it was long, it was tiring, but it was done, so. But God blessed, and we had a good time. I do. All right. Praise the Lord. 